related to mothering. This is a community where we aim to create a comfortable space that allows for active discussion without judgment. Find us at thecuriousmother.com and follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at thecuriousmother. Welcome back to The Curious Mother. I'm Kristen Daly. And I'm Melissa Miller. So, Melissa, what have you been curious about lately? So, I've been very surprised um, by how often one topic has come up recently. And I feel like maybe that's just the way the universe works. Like, suddenly (laughs) you notice something and then it pops up everywhere, right? Yes, yes. Um, I've had several walks or social engagements with girlfriends who have confided that they have recognized that they have not been putting their marriage very high in the priority list. And not that things are then bad with their marriage, but just this concern of like, wow, I'm really not putting much energy into my marriage and I really want to write that. And so it's just sparked these really great conversations and really also woken me up to think about, am I really prioritizing my marriage? Because it is so important to a family. Yeah, I know. It's funny to think about the idea of putting your marriage first, Mm -hmm. you know, especially because, I mean, we have all these other things that get in the way, right? right? But I can remember when um, I was pregnant with my first kiddo, one of my friends, I forget why we were having this discussion, but I think she had had a dream that she was on a boat and the boat was going under and she had to pick between her spouse and her kid. Uh, <laughs> and uh. So I was pregnant at the time. So of course I didn't have the kid quite yet. And I, and she said she chose her kid. And I remember just being mortified because I was like, how, how could you choose your kid? Of course you would choose your spouse. I mean, your spouse is your partner. That's the top of, you know, like the, and, um, and it is, I, I just, Not having that perspective of the child, I I know that it would kind of influence my thinking at this point. Yeah. (laughs) It's so so funny that you bring this up. Again, the universe working in weird ways. (laughs) I was contemplating that great debate as I was making the bed the other day. No way. Because I do feel like there are theories on like what the right answer is supposed to be. And there is no right answer. No. Right? There's not. But marriage is super important. And I do think in our busy lives... I know at least for me and my husband, like, we're a really good team. Yes. It's pretty easy. Yeah. It's really, really easy to just get into a groove. Yes. And not really make extra time for just us. Yeah. The other night, um, Jeff had, he does, every Wednesday, he has a a buddy or two that they all go get a drink together. I love that. And yeah, he just started it up like a few months ago. And um, I was, I had a girl's night for years and years and years and years. And it's weird to be in a season right now where I don't have that. Yeah. Especially, but now he has it, which is, I think, really good for him. But he happened to, the guys that are, he typically meets up with were unavailable. And he was kind of moping. He even had reached out to a broader group of friends, still couldn't find a buddy to go with. And I said to him, I said, well, you know, we'll, we can be together. <laughs> you know, pick me. <laughs> what about me? I'm fun. <laughs> and so we went to go buy a bottle of wine because obviously we, we were going to be home with the kids. But I was like, we will still enjoy each other. And as we were about to get back to the house, he got a text from another friend. Oh, no. And he was like, see you later, honey. He totally dropped me in the driveway. 
but I get it because we do see each other a bit. But it's interesting to think about the idea of intentional time, you know, what it is to actually prioritize that time versus having it happen, happenstance. It's so funny that you bring up the idea of kind of him going out and girls' nights because I do put a lot of energy into making sure that I can make a girls' night. Yeah. And oftentimes if we're excited about trying a new restaurant or going and doing something or or even just, I mean, any open night, we quickly think about, well... Should we invite a, another couple? Yeah. Instead of like, yay, date night, just yeah. us. Yeah. Because we have so little time to make with, to have with friends. Yeah. That I feel like, it, uh, you know, a Friday, like, yay, we get to see friends. It's interesting how we forget, like, it should be really exciting that it's date night. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we do the exact same thing where we will, if we have a date night and it's just the two of us. We usually will text a few couple friends that we're friends with just to see, are they available? Because it is that, like, we're social and we want to, like, have those social engagements. But I do think it matters, other than just, like, birthdays and anniversaries, right. for us to be able to have that time when we connect. Yeah. Um, I think about the kind of a little sacred time that Matt and I have every night is when our kids start reading in bed, mm-hmm. um, we lock the house and take Polly for our dog, Polly yeah. for a 15 minute walk. Nice. Um, and it's a really nice way to just decompress for the day. We catch up. Yeah. And that time is really nice to have with him, but it's a lot of the managing life. Yes. It's yes. not really the really relaxed, good, emotional heart to hearts. There's no dreaming that happens in that. Yeah. And so even though we have that time, it's not the kind of time that I think we need more of. Yes. Yeah. When I am working and doing like family therapy, I always meet with a couple first because I have this whole concept that you guys are like the co-CEOs of the family, right? You know, and and you are going to set the tone for how everything goes in the family. What are the values? And we, you know, we had our episode on values. And I think that it matters for us to have that meaningful connection. But it really is, normally what will happen is I will have seen a family therapy case where maybe the couple is more disconnected. And then that's when I come home and I'm like, Jeff, we got to work on this. Like, I got to make sure that... (laughs) We connect. And it's not always great to have it come from this place of of disconnection, right? Right. But I honestly think getting disconnected is frighteningly easy. Yes. Like, it is really easy to go through life and to be busy and you take this kid, I'll take this kid. We we tag team all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But it gets, it's just, and we're tired. Like, we're so tired that I can really understand how day by day, week by week, that turns into years of not really connecting. And then suddenly you wake up and you're feeling unfulfilled. You're feeling not close. Yes. And then it's it's hard to quickly reconnect. Yes. Well, and I don't know if you do this, but what I find can happen is I will sometimes have this internal inventory of who's contributing what to the household. You know, I hate to admit it, but... In a household that has, you know, many, many moving parts, I will get this narrative that I'm the one who's doing everything. Like I literally like will be moving through my house thinking I'm the only one who does X, Y, and Z. I'm the only one who's ever going to pick up the shoes. And I'm the only one who does, you know, this other task. And 
I recognized the other day, I actually happened to walk into our kitchen and uh, the kitchen was surprisingly really clean. And I was, I recognized like that Jeff had cleaned the kitchen and I made a mental note to not, to not only make the mental note to, of awareness that he had made this contribution, but then I also questioned myself, like how many times do you think that maybe he has contributed and you've totally taken it for granted because your internal narrative is I do you do all. everything. I could not agree more that we often take the narrative of I do it all. Yes. And one of my narratives is I do it all. And yet there's also things that I get bitter about doing it all. And yet there are things that clearly Matt and I have agreed, you do this, I'll do this, <laughs> right? Yes. And so I might get all huffy because in the mornings I am getting the kids ready and myself ready and breakfast and lunch and all that. But that's what we've agreed to because yeah. sometimes like Matt has to leave super early in the morning yeah. sometimes. I've agreed to that. And in trade-off, he does a lot that I don't see because he handles X, Y, and Z. Yes. And I forget about all that he does. Yes. And it's so easy to get self-righteous in, I do it all. He does nothing. Yes. How dare. Yes. Um, and that's not great for a marriage. No. It, it's <laughs> funny because one of the things that we have agreed on is that because Jeff has more flexibility in his day than I do, he is the one who takes the kids to all of their appointments. Yep. It's just way easier for him to step out of his work and run them to things than it is for me. And But he is really terrible about being the one to schedule those appointments. So if there is like an auto-scheduling thing, like with the dentist, they're always really good about like they automatically schedule you six months out. If he's yeah. there in the moment, they get scheduled, it's all good. But if for some reason he gets out of that, getting reorienting that can be hard. And our oldest would really like to get braces because he's about to start high school and he's really already mortified because most of his friends have already had braces. And he's like, why, why have you guys not done this yet? <laughs> and I actually, I realized I said, you know, why haven't we done this yet? And Jeff was just like, I don't know. I just, we just haven't. And so <laughs> I, I felt really bad for him. So I tracked down the orthodontist and called to make the first orthodontist appointment. The woman at the orthodontist office said, you know, well, who is the dentist? And I said, well, this is the practice. And she said, but which dentist at that practice do they see? And I was like, okay, well, this is sad. I've never actually been <laughs> to that dentist. I was like, I don't know which one it is. I've never been to their dental appointment. And I was like, I'm the one who makes the appointments. My husband's the one who attends them. And she just started cracking up. And I was like, you know, I mean, we've got a system. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I have to hold on to those moments because I will not, you know, I am very aware of my roles, right? I'm very aware of the things that I do. Yeah. And of course, and this comes back to like, we are all biased and we all tend to be biased yes. in our own favor, right? If we have a belief system, we are going to always collect data that confirms our existing beliefs. That's right. So of course, I'm going to notice everything every time I complete my tasks. Yep. And I, because they are not my tasks, I completely take for granted that they happen. It That's really right. is only like moments like that that I actually recognize that, oh yeah, that he is doing a lot more stuff than I ever really even see. So I love that you point out the narrative that we get stuck in because yes. it is, it's just a narrative. It doesn't mean it's the truth. Yeah. And for all of us to kind of take a look and say, all right, might this not be 100% true? Yeah. And to look and say, what is the opposite side of the story? What's the evidence that I don't do it all? Yes. Right? And yes. that is really 
relieving and humbling. It just feels good to go, oh yeah, I don't. And maybe I'm actually really grateful for my partner in a lot of ways. That's so helpful. I mean, sometimes I will see people try to do this in what I consider to be a little bit more childish of an approach, which is where they say, okay, because I'm the only one who does laundry, I'm going on a laundry strike. Yes. And we will see who notices. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I get it because what you're looking for is recognition. But I think the hard part is, I think that strategy rarely turns out the way people think it's going to turn out. Rarely. You know, I mean, yes, the laundry will build up. And yes, people will end up wearing dirty clothes. And who knows? Maybe your child will do their own laundry because they recognize it. Maybe they will express some appreciation. But I really don't think it turns into this huge healing event where everybody says, oh, yes, you really do a lot. Right. The passive-aggressive approach it might feel really good in the moment. Oh, it's satisfying, right? Right, <laughs> right. And yet, always backfires. Yeah. And and I, of course, have done passive aggressive things, and usually wind up feeling really stupid afterwards. <laughs> because my husband will, in the past, when I have tried to do things like that, he'll be like, "You just ask. Like, why wouldn't you talk to me about this?" And then I see how silly the whole thing has been, yes. and it's been all in my head, yes. right? So one thing that I have really pushed myself in the past couple of years is asking. Yes. Like if I'm frustrated with something and I want it to be different, if I ask, it can at least have a productive conversation where I'm usually happy at the end. Yes. One of the um, things that I always try to talk to my clients about is the fact that we are terrible mind readers. And the harder, the longer you know someone the more likely you are to think you know you know what they're thinking. Right. You know, and um, I know Melissa and I, and neither of us do assessments anymore. Nope. But do you remember from assessment training how you weren't, you never do an assessment on somebody you know, right? right? Because you, no matter what, you're going to extrapolate some information. You're, you are going to skew the results just by the fact that you know them. Yep. And so the challenge is we always have these, this awareness or this idea that we can mind read very perfectly the people we know very well. And our spouses are, of course, our spouses and our kids are both like the most likely to yes. be misread. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I think that the, the, so that, you know, we have to remember we can't read their minds. And of course, if we are operating with a different set of facts than they are, right. it's not going to go well. Right. You know, I have a, like a typical, I, and I, I have to say, I think the amazing Brene Brown, yeah. um, her book Rising Strong is like really kind of nailed it for me um, because she talks about the idea that we have to address our first drafts, the stories in our heads that are really us stereotyping or mind reading and aren't super accurate. And I have found like this is incredibly effective in my communication with my partner. Typical Saturday morning in the Daily House. Like one of the things that's funny about me is I I am a person who literally jumps out of bed ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> Melissa has seen this because we have done early morning workouts. <laughs> and Melissa's like, "Don't talk to me." <laughs> For as like Kristen's like, "Hello, good morning." So I was thinking of my in, <laughs> and that is so true. Like I, my head starts moving like the second I. I mean, it is insane. My time from being deeply asleep to being wide awake and raring to go is about, I don't know, 30 seconds. And for poor Jeff, his time to be up and ready to go, I think he's about 90 minutes to two hours. He needs to just sit still, drink coffee, and just 
warm up to the idea that he is awake. Get the juices <laughs> flowing. <laughs> so most Saturdays, you know, I wake up raring to go. And and luckily for him, usually it involves like some type of workout. So he's got like a good 60 minutes of reprieve where I'm just not home. <laughs> But then I will come home and I am buzzing. I'm like just, I'm doing 500 things. Cause I of course have this like massively long to do list in my head and he will be sitting in her living room, just drinking his coffee, trying to wake up and taking in some news. And, and really if we could all be silent for him, that would be perfect, <laughs> but, um, that doesn't happen. And what will happen in my head is I will think, gosh, this dude is never going to get moving. Like <laughs> he's just going to sit here all day drinking his coffee and just doing nothing, you know, because to me watching TV is the absolute like doing nothing, you know, (laughs) and I will get really amped up and frustrated with him because I also have a to-do list for him and he's just sitting there drinking his coffee. And you're predicting he's not going to get it. Oh yeah. There's no way he's going to get it done. And I will admit my to-do lists are pretty insane. (laughs) My one for him this weekend is replacing all of the flooring on a level of our house. (laughs) Don't tell him yet. <laughs> he should be done by 11 on Saturday. He really should. If he got going like I did, <laughs> he would. And the hard part is, I'm just not skilled at this stuff. <laughs> Trust me, I would be done by 11 on Saturday, but nobody would want to walk on that floor. So I, in the past, would get really mad at him. And then I, listening to Brene and her encouragement to express your, your bad first draft and say the story in my head, So um, what I now will do is I will say, the story in my head is that there's a lot of coffee drinking and TV watching, because by the way, you never say you, you you always have to talk from an I perspective, you know, so the story in my head is that there's a lot of drinking of coffee, a lot of watching of TV, and nothing on my to-do list is going to get done. And of course, like he's way more receptive when I say, this is what I'm experiencing versus, are you ever going to get up? (laughs) (laughs) But we have to be so careful about that, right? Right, Because we are terrible at thinking that because we've known this person for, I don't know, 20 years or however long, we know exactly what they're thinking. Yep. And I think this plays out all the time. Oftentimes when my kids are having a problem, say like with their teacher, um, and they're frustrated, my son especially, something might happen on the playground, and I'll say, well, let's brainstorm some ideas. Mm -hmm. What about talking to so-and-so, meaning like teacher or playground monitor and I'll say well what would happen if you went and talked to your teacher and he quickly predicts he mind reads well Uh she's not going to listen I can't do that Uh and when I push a little further you know these are his quick assumptions and yet we don't really have much evidence that we really know what the person is thinking or what they will do yes yeah exactly and if we can actually try to be curious about what is actually going on with them, yes. it helps relationships so much, right? Kristen, I love that you bring the curiosity back in. <laughs> that was a smooth move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the other day, my son looked at me and he's, oh, why are you mad at me? Which again, mind reading, right? And I was like, dude, resting bee face. That's like, this is me. This is just how I am. And it totally, it cracked him up. But I think, thank you for just bringing up that that's what you were thinking was going on. Cause really it was not at all what was happening. But, but if he were to start acting as oh, if you were mad, yes. what if he was acting on that wrong assumption? Yeah. yeah. It's so challenging. 
breaking those assumptions. It is great that we start thinking about our thoughts more, mm-hmm. right? Instead mm-hmm. of just going 100 miles a minute and not stopping and reflecting. And like you said, getting curious about why do I think this way? How do I really know this? Mm-hmm. And then I like the challenge of like, well, how do I do something different yes. than acting out of anger or getting stuck in this? Like, yes. what would I, what advice would I give? Because we're so much better at giving advice to others. Yes. We're more rational and level-headed. <laughs> yeah. um, but we don't have to get stuck in the same old crap anymore. No, it's uh, Sue Johnson, who is an amazing couples yes. therapist and writer. She developed this uh, couples therapy technique, Emotionally Focused Therapy, or EFT, And she talks about how couples get into what she calls the demon dialogues. Mm -hmm. And really, it's it's a lot of, it's basically, if you can imagine, everybody has their own dance of conflict. And it, and like, kind of it's summarized by the idea that one person tends to be pursuing and one person tends to be running away. And there are lots of different flavors of how that dance can get engaged. But what can be hard is if you are the one who's always pursuing. Yeah. You're never giving your partner the ability to be able to bring things up on their own. You never, like, you're you're kind of, you're so on top of it. And sometimes their choice, their only way to, like, feel in control is to withdraw and resist. And if you're the person who withdraws and resists, like, what's challenging there is you're withholding. So you're just not giving them the opportunity to even understand your perspective or feel connected. So I think it always matters for us to have this sense of, like, instead of, you know, tantruming, what would it look like for us to lean in? Like, what does it look like to actually engage in conversation? One thing that before Kristen and I started this podcast, we were really laughing about, we have very similar husbands. (laughs) Um, And I think one one easy thing that we can all do as wives or spouses or partners or whatever is focus on having some gratitude for the things that we fell in love with our partner for. (laughs) Yes. Because it is those exact same things that we fell in love with that will turn around and drive us nutso about them. Yes. I feel like I was told that when I was engaged. And you know, you know that feeling where you're just, oh, that's, no, I won't. yeah, that's <laughs> really interesting thing to say. I'm sure maybe that's true for you, bitter, old, <laughs> older, married person. Right. That'll <laughs> never happen for us. We are never. a great couple. <laughs> and, <laughs> so I, I think Kristen and I have a, a similar one that yeah. we were both attracted to our husbands because of their stability. Mm-hmm. And for me, that stability was emotional stability because. Yeah. I am a highly feeling person. <laughs> I I feel my highs really high and I feel my lows really low. And when I'm upset about something, I, I'm upset and I'm just a very emotionally gregarious person. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that conceptualization. Emotionally gregarious. I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> and my husband is the polar opposite. Yes. And I love that about him. And if you had seen the guys that I dated before him... I dated very similar people to me most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. And that was just, that didn't work. That was mm-hmm. explosive. And mm-hmm. so I feel very thankful for his emotional steadiness, his mm-hmm. rational mind, his even keel. Mm-hmm. I He grounds me in so many ways, and I'm very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Except when... I really need him to be emotional about something. <laughs> exactly. And that emotional, yes, that low emotional <laughs> makes me feel like it's an ice cube, yes. not a safe, yes. grounded 
person. Um, so, it, but I, what I have to do in those moments when I realize I'm frustrated with his groundedness, yes, I have to remind myself of of why I'm so grateful for that. That yes. in this moment it is really difficult, and yet I am so ninety percent of the time I am thankful for that and I cannot lose sight of that because if I did I could run with that and be mad about it all the time oh totally I used to I don't know if you ever did this to Matt but poor Jeff I used to push his buttons (laughs) like crazy just because I needed to know like what did it take for him to have some emotions (laughs) like because I always think about it like to me there are people who are emotional oceans like they have like super high highs Super low lows, huge waveforms, like there's always emotional activity. And then there are people who are like emotional rivers where they're just kind of, they have, you know, range to their emotion, they have movement to emotion. It's beautiful. But they're not, they're not crashing and, yep. you know, and then you have docks. You know, and docs are just, they're steady. They're, yes! Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I think both Melissa and I think are, are, we're more ocean kind of people who married docks. And That's the right. upside to being with a dock is there's a ton of stability in a dock. Yes. It's not going to go anywhere. And, you know, you just don't have to worry about explosiveness. Never. I mean, yes. it's just, it's right. just steady. Yes. But I can, I think because I, I was always drawn to more ocean kind of people. I would always be like, do you have a pulse? Like what, what is it going to take to get <laughs> something out of you? And, I, and there, I can remember like two distinct times I finally pushed his buttons enough that I got emotions to bust through and then I was like "Ooh, that doesn't feel good (laughs) so I don't do it to him you know and I I, and I don't even know that even then it was really like I was that aware that that was what I was doing but that's so funny we had one experience right before we were married and I was really worked up about something and I really wanted to duke it out and Uh in past relationships it would have been prime fodder for a fight right and I'm escalating and he's trying to talk calmly and I'm escalating and he's trying to talk calmly. And finally, he got up and walked out of the room and I follow him and he turned right back around and then he shut and locked the door and was like, we'll do this when you calm down. And I mean, first I like hit the roof, but then it was this moment where I was like, if we're going to work, I had certainly better learn that... What I did in my past relationships when people were hot and fiery with me, like never did I want that in my marriage. So why am I engaging in it now? Like I had better learn to calm the heck down and speak rationally to the person who I love with loving words, right? Like big moment for us. (laughs) And, and I still laugh. Like he just, he wouldn't eat. He just wouldn't engage. Oh, he's not going. Yeah. It's Jeff will do this thing. Where I will explain to him some big scenario that has me all like revved up. And a typical response for him is like, well, that's crazy. And he's just going to move on, right? And <laughs> like, many years ago, I said to him, I said, you know, if you could just say, gosh, that must have been hard. Before you say, that's crazy. I was like, it just, like, just adding that little tiny validating sentence that that experience was difficult. I was like, do you, that would go a very, very long way for me to just calm down. And he was like, okay, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and I, it's, 
I, whenever I see him do it, I always think there's a part of me that's like, oh, he's just validating me. Like he's just, but then I'm also like, he's doing the thing I told him, which that's is right. the thing that helps me calm down. He's trying to take care of you just like you asked him to. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's but right. But it is one of those things where you think, I just want, you know, like rationally, you know, that stability is the anchor you need to be yes. able to perform well. Yes. But at times, like it can just feel like an anchor. <laughs> Right, right. But I I love to step back and think about, I, this might be really annoying to me right now. And yet, I don't want this to be the thing that makes me start to not love him because yes. this is exactly what pulled me towards him. Yes. So when we can think about our thinking and see the bigger picture, I just think it's it's dangerous for our marriage to go down the narrative of, I hate this so much. Yeah. Well, and it, it, you know, to cycle back to that like concept of like the passive aggressive maneuver, yep. it, it requires a lot of sense of vulnerability yes. to be able to say, this is what I'm thinking and seeing and perceiving. Yes. And sometimes I, 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 not in the not too distant past, I had a conversation with Jeff where I said, I feel like I'm carrying all the load of X, Y, and Z and went through my narrative of all the things that I think are on my plate. And it was it was interesting because he said, I disagree. You know, I feel that I'm carrying my own load and I feel that I'm contributing really heavily. And I feel like sometimes you're just not seeing it. And it was it I really had in that moment expected him to just go with, yes, you've got it all on your shoulders. And it it would t- it would take me aback a little bit when he acknowledged what I was saying, but then also gave his counterpoint. And I think that sometimes like the impulse there would be you know, I'm going to withdraw because I didn't get my way or, you know, but instead I thought about the idea that if I could treat him with compassion and know that his perspective is he's also trying really hard, that maybe we could, you know, by being a more cohesive team, we actually could get more stuff done. And I would say a big thing I've tried to learn is just because I have a motor that runs really fast and thinks that we should get floors installed in a weekend. (laughs) He doesn't, and there's there's some good stuff to that, too. Yes. Like, you know, I may want him to run at the pace I expect him to, but it might also feel good for him to be safe and not have to do that. You know? Right. <laughs> I do love the idea, though, of giving ourselves permission to be vulnerable in our marriage and just expressing how we're feeling, because it's fact-checking, right? Yes. That we're finding out. It's how I'm feeling... Um, is it fair? And is there a piece that I'm missing that might not help me feel like, might not help me feel like this? Mm-hmm. And I love that you brought up the compassion. Like if we don't have compassion for our partners and want to understand their experience, it's hard to come together and take care of each other, which is really what we're just trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. When when we're feeling like our needs aren't being met or we're maxed out, to open up and share that with your partner, they only want to do that if we've been working together, yes. right? Like they, they want to take care of our needs if we've been working together instead of pushing them away and ostracizing and yelling and screaming. Um, and I like you brought up the team. Like we should feel like a team, right? Yes. And the way that teams function well together is not by mind reading and being passive aggressive and not speaking. Yes. You have to constantly communicate and be willing to 
be open about how you're feeling and take responsibility for the crap that you might be doing too. Yeah. I mean, you just brought up the horrible counterpart to mind reading is thinking they can read your mind. Yes. You know, not expressing. Yes. Because they should know. That's right. right. Nothing will ruin a relationship faster, right? Yes. I mean, to expect that people are going to be able to understand that your withdrawal withholding is supposed to communicate something. Right. It's just not emotionally mature. Right. And what I always tell the folks I work with is, yes, you being emotionally mature may not create emotional maturity in your in your spouse, but at the very least, if you can practice being emotionally mature and clearly expressing your needs and clearly expressing what is happening from your perspective, you're at least giving them an invitation to do so. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I love, again, from Brene, her latest book, Dare to Lead. She talks about the concept, which I think is an AA concept, but it's the idea that clear is kind. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the best places where we could offer clarity is in our relationship with our spouse, yes. both what we're feeling, what we're going through, and what we're perceiving. Yep. It's hard to do. It's really hard to sometimes have to say how we're feeling and why we're feeling it Mm -hmm. because I think it can feel embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't want to be feeling the way we're feeling and we want them to know our needs instinctively, right? Yes. And that's just impossible. Yes. Like after the infancy stage, like that's impossible to <laughs> yes. instinctively understand somebody's every emotional need. Yes. And and I think the thing is, is that sometimes we may not always know exactly what it is. Yeah. Like I, I find that maybe I might need like 24 hours or even a little bit longer to thoughts into cohesive words, but it's okay for us to bring things up and... Yes. And that's where like, I love that you and Matt at least have that, con- that common connection because I think that knowing that you have this pattern of repetitively being together and having this moment where it's just the two of us, you have that opportunity where if you had to clarify something or knew that you had something you needed to bring up, you already have the pattern yes. of connection to be able to have that happen. Yeah. And that's, that's why like the idea of making time matters so much because it's not about that we're having trouble in in the now, but it's more like if we have this rhythm of connection, then we can rely on there's going to be an interactional pattern that will allow for us to have that connection. It's a little bit like you're putting in time today to invest in your future. Because yes. if you stay connected, and, and we're going to get it wrong sometimes, right? Like, yes. And disagreements are normal and can be really healthy, and we're not always going to be 100% happy with the person who we're sharing life with. But if we struggle well together instead of just struggling and flailing, then we put the investment in now so that we we don't have bigger problems later or we feel like we don't even know them anymore or we've yes. grown in different directions and we no longer want to be together. Yeah. It's, it's just so important to really decide, is my marriage something that is worth putting time into? Am I brave enough? To be able to say we're on the same team. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of moms out there listening to this right now who are thinking, like, I just don't know that my husband and I can do a lot of these things mm-hmm. because of X, Y, and Z. And I think you might have some really legitimate reasons, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I want to encourage you is if things don't go well when you initially take some steps with this... Um, it can be really helpful to see a couple's therapist mm-hmm. to walk through this with somebody until you get your skills, yes. until you realize how to work well together, and also to have kind of a side party really explaining all of these things, then it doesn't feel like it's one-sided, yes. right? 
Totally. Thank you so much for joining us today. And um, hit us up on social media if you have any questions or keep the conversation going. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Curious Mother. If you liked what you heard, the greatest compliment would be to share this with your community of moms and to give us a great rating on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram at The Curious Mother and check out our bios and resources at thecuriousmother.com. Thanks for listening.